two yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome in, golf fans, to another episode of the Preferred Lines Podcast. My name is Joe Idoni. At Tour Picks is where you can find me on Twitter. Uh, and this is Preferred Lines. We are a golf gambling podcast. And amongst many other things that we like to talk about on this show, I bring an expert guest along the way with me every week. This week, uh, nothing short of that as well. And we're going to talk about the BMW Championship, recap a little bit of what we saw last week at the FedEx Cup. Uh, excuse me, the FedEx St. Jude and look forward maybe a a hair toward the Ryder Cup. I know that sort of anticipation is building, so I want to touch on that a little bit, but really want to kind of shift gears to what to expect from Olympia Fields, what to expect from the BMW Championship. Um, To you guys that are here in the chat, my good friends, Kareem, Ted, all you guys, um, thank you for being here as always and always supporting the show. If you do enjoy this program tonight, make sure to subscribe to the Preferred Lines YouTube channel. It's no longer streaming live on my Twitter feed. I'm shifting over to the YouTube page, going to try to steer people in that direction and kind of see where things go. Uh, Before we get started, as always, brought to you in part by the Fantasy Golf Pod, my boys Chad, Jish, Eric, all the crew over there. Um, They've already got some content in terms of the first look DFS stuff out this week. More shows coming later this week. Make sure to give them a follow. They're working, as I mentioned, on building up the um, a new YouTube channel. So PGA Tour like caught them up in some old like Bryson putting videos from like six years ago and got their channel shut down. So please support them and helping to to build back up that audience as they are great people. As I always like to mention as well, if you want to further support the show, if you enjoy the program that you're watching tonight, uh, preferredlinesgolf.com is the website. Go check it out. Give me some feedback on it. I'm still working through the site, but all of the old podcasts, all of the old videos, any of my written content is up there as well as uh, merch for the show. If you like, want to get a t-shirt or a hat to support uh, Chad. Yes, sir. Welcome in, man. It's good to have you here. Um, and now it's good to have the next guest on the show. I enjoy talking to him as much as I enjoy talking to anybody in this space. He has got a new um, website and company that he has started and co-founder with and began to launch into the space. And I just am thrilled to like have him back on here for like the fourth time ever. Welcome back to Preferred Lines, Tambo. What's good? What's good, man? Always good to be on with you. Can't say enough good things. I said this to you. We we're talking a lot pre-show and just even earlier today over DM on Twitter and stuff. But I, I love hopping on, chopping it up with you. And I, yes, we'll talk golf. That's what we're actually here for. But just in general, you're, you're a great dude. Love the stuff that you do. Love all your content. I know the grind that you put in. I saw your tweet today. And just, man, keep crushing it, doing what you do. I love being on these shows with you. Yeah, thank you, man. So I, I did. I Thank you to anyone who reached out to me. Um, I didn't mean to sound like boo-hoo-y or anything like that. I just like it helps me, to anyone who's watching this, to write that stuff down and to put that out there and to be a little bit vulnerable in a sense to the enemies and the swords that often come flying at you through social media. And I have found that oftentimes by taking that risk and putting how I'm feeling on a particular day or a particular hour or minute out there, it helps me. It's therapeutic for me and sort of one, holding myself accountable to the goals and how I want to change, and two, to just sort of get it off my chest to someone that isn't so close to me where I'm going to feel like I'm, they're like judging me in a certain way. So it's, it's an easy way for me, but I genuinely appreciate anyone who's reached out, yourself included. And uh, it's just things that we go through, man, is we're, we're trying to do a lot. And I know we talked about how you're in a very similar position family-wise. So we both have extremely supportive wives who support our content. Um, I'm working another job. You have sort of transitioned into building this entire new platform. We both have young children the exact same age, six and three, which we care deeply about and want to devote as much time to them as we possibly can. But we have this exterior passion, which is golf, that we really need to like feed our soul in a sense. Um, How do you like manage the daily grind? It's, you know, every week of golf content while continuing to have some sort of perspective on life and family and happiness. 
Yeah, it's a cliche, but it's what I always say. Obviously, family first. And I do really make that a, a thing here. Like, again, people will say, oh, you're not working the weekends. You don't grind or they'll say all this stuff. We're always working around the clock in this space, whether it's coming up with ideas, being on Twitter, creating your schedule for the next following week, whatever it might be. But like you said, it really does come down to that. So if it's a certain thing like where I can just know I can help my wife out a little bit because she's grinding so much, taking care of these kids while I'm down here in the studio working from home, creating stuff, working on business meetings now, stuff like that, where you just have to sort of recognize that and try and make that time. And, and I also do like other little things where, again, people will frown on it or say whatever. But I also look at like, do I want to go mow my lawn for an hour? Or would I rather that hour be time I could spend with my kids and the neighbors across the street are, you know, entrepreneurs trying to make a few bucks, wanting to do it for $20. Like, sure, mow my lawn for 20 bucks. I'll spend an hour with the kids and not go do that. And it is what it is. I just, I think of all the possible ways to put them first, but it does start with that. You talked about a supportive wife. If you don't in anything in life, I think this matters and it's the obvious, but especially in this, like where, you know, not everybody gets gambling. And it can get like a bad rap on some of this stuff, like gambling for money or betting your money or, you know, putting all these golf bets in, playing DFS. Nobody understands all that stuff. But if you have somebody who does or at least supports you enough to understand that it's your true passion, it's what you want to do, that's the only way you're going to be successful in this stuff. And really, it comes down to like anything. Uh, if you're playing DFS like I do full time, you, you need that. Like I go through like I compare it all the time, but like professional golfers, there's slumps, there's downswings, there's times that are tough. That you're like, and then you're watching other people win that you you usually were winning and they weren't. And it's like it, you have these feelings and thoughts around it. But the biggest thing is just keeping your head on straight. Focus more on yourself and your family. Like you said earlier, like, again, family first we talk about. But, like, just everybody has different things they're doing and working on. I think other people think others care more than they actually do. Like, no, no one probably really cares what you're up to and you don't need to care what they do. I love that you're vulnerable and you're genuine and you'll just throw it out there like that. Like you said, I think that's really a solid way to be just let you you are who you truly are. You wear your heart on your sleeve. And I love that. But I'm just saying in general too, like, I think if you just focus on, you know, where you, where you're at and where somebody else is at, doesn't matter really where they're at. You can have a goal and I do set goals and want to get there, but really it just comes down to execution, man, putting in the work on your own, having a clear mind and moving towards what you want to go to and, and really just have to do that daily. Yeah, dude, honestly, a lot of like, inspirational stuff that you talked to me before this about how um, I hope you don't mind that I share it, but oh, how you okay. sort of developed a business plan for your new venture like seven years ago. And it took that long to come to fruition. I just, I, I sometimes lack patience and I need to be able to take pride in some of the little wins that you get throughout the year and continuing to build an audience and a following and people who are willing to sit here on a Monday night on YouTube and, and watch me talk about golf. Like I really am grateful for that. And I didn't mean that in any negative way. You also mentioned the support system that you have with your wife. And I think that's extremely important. And I'm very, very fortunate to have that. Not only does she assist with putting my kids to bed right now so that I can do this show. She's like the biggest advocate of mine. Like there, there is this connotation that you mentioned with doing a, a gambling show and a betting show where there, I have a lot of close friends, Tambo, and family members that have never even watched my show. They don't even know that I do this because I'm not the greatest at like going out there and like selling myself. And like, there's a, I don't know, I shouldn't be ashamed of it. And I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm, I, I'm not like a great salesman for myself. And my wife will do that. Like she'll tell her friends, like he has a golf podcast and this is his studio set up when they come over. And like, I don't know why I feel a reluctancy to do so. I think part of it is, putting myself out there may be easier for me on a place like Twitter where I'm not going to have to run into these people, but it's more difficult for me and people that I see in like everyday life to be like, yeah, you know, I, I spend three days a week, you know, in this room talking about golf and they're like, well, how many subscribers do you have? And how much do you make off that? How do you, and, and I don't want to answer those questions because people just don't get it. And that part of it, I'm still working on. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Again, like, like that's where I look at it. Like you find out who your real friends are. You find out that like, again, you should be able to talk about your passions and want to be able to share those things with your closest friends, family, et cetera. And again, like you said, obviously your wife, huge supporter, which is great because I know I've got friends where like, again, I play a lot of DFS. That's if those that don't know, that's what I'm doing. But like I've had, a, I had one friend win $10,000 on DFS and that was like a crowning moment. You think the support would be there. Everything's awesome. Let's go. And it was actually like time to shut it down. Like he couldn't play anymore. She was like, awesome. Now cash out. 
And it was like, you, like you hit your bet, you won. Now cash out. I, I can go for that plan if we're at the slot machines at a casino. You win seven, 800 bucks on a, a slot machine. It's probably time to cash out, either move to a different game or just call it a night you won. I'm not going to rehash everything with that slot machine. But I mean, this guy was just starting to find his groove, but because it was like, it was gambling. It was like negative thing. Like you got lucky, you won. Now you got to catch What if that was him catching his stride? I know there's a lot of luck involved. I'm saying, but like that made him more passionate about it, wanting to play more. But then what do you think happened? It's like becomes sneaky game now like he has to like she might check the credit card you know if he cashes out he has to redeposit so then she'll see it and then it's like went against her wishes i just if you don't have the support system in anything that's gonna be a problem but as far as the self-promotion i actually think that's where you need to take it up a notch and again like i forget the exact breakdown of it all but you probably see some of these things or read books around it and, and just some of the things that you see on twitter all these gurus and stuff talking about it. i don't take it at face value all the time because people are saying a lot of stuff on Twitter and things like that. But one thing they'll say is like, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't into what you're doing or hate on it even and, and aren't for it. Well, they were never going to be a fan, a part of your audience or a customer anyway, whatever we're talking about here, it doesn't always have to involve making money. But my point being that they just never were going to be that support system. You talked about some people just aren't going to care. They're going to be the people that you tell at a party that are like, right on, cool. And then move on to the next topic. That's okay too. They're probably not into it, but then you're going to have people that do support it and start to be like, well, what's that all about? And then you see them at the next family or friend event and they're like, Hey man, I, I actually checked you out. I found you on YouTube now. And I, I was watching some of your shows. I'm, I'm kind of into it. Like, can you tell me a little more? And even though that can be annoying sometimes if they're going too deep into it or whatever, it's just, it shows they actually care. And that just, if you translate that now to Twitter, I know where you said you're much more comfortable doing it. You're seeing a huge audience boost because of this. That's the difference. You just have to take it out into the real world some too and let people know what you do. I, I rock the hat with the hashtag. I don't, I don't care. Like I'm promoting yeah. all the time. What's shipping? Like, I, and then I get to explain it. But it's really comes down to, again, just knowing that not everyone's going to be for you. Some people just aren't going to care either way. They're right in the middle. And then some people are going to be super supportive. You don't know or have a way of finding that out though if you're not out there actually doing it and presenting it as that way. And everybody starts somewhere. And then there's building from there. Like anybody you know right now that you're like, wow, that guy has 300,000 followers and he's super popular now. They started somewhere. Like you don't just yeah. wake up one day with that. So they, they did something that eventually caught eyes and more attention. And you'll see it all the time. I'll just continue one more thing on it. But like, it's the difference too, Joe. And I think you do a great job at this. Like today, your post, not like it went viral, but I'm saying enough people saw it. There was a great support system there for you. You start to see people come out that were like, man, people are you know supporting me that I, you probably didn't even know, might even not, might, might not even know, watch your stuff or, or have ever yeah. seen your thing or anything. They're just there saying, I can support this guy. And I, now I'm going to chime in because it sounds like, you know, he's having a rough day and that's okay. Everyone has bad days. It's fine. But like the point of that is, is that like those people are stepping up out, out of the blue to come and support you versus, you know, you wouldn't even have known those supporters maybe existed and it didn't go viral, but that's way more powerful for you starting to get a, like, wow, there is some traction here. I am doing the right thing versus somebody makes a tweet that's funny that goes viral and gets 500,000 views and they'll pick up like six, six followers or something. It's not about that. I'm just saying like the point being going viral all the time and doing all that doesn't necessarily build your audience. Right. And like you're talking about going out, whether it's in public or on Twitter, however you go about it, be real, be genuine, be transparent, be who you are. And you see a lot more from that because people want to talk to real people. That That's just what it comes down to in this life. Yeah. Um, I, those are sort of, you know, in an effort, I've been kind of working on basically like a pitch deck um, to, to send to potential people to for the upcoming season. And like I was trying to think of the two pillars of the show. And that's what I thought is it's authenticity and it's credibility. Like those are the two things that I want to remain true to and I think are the most important things when developing, like especially with developing content around DFS or or gambling like they're they're all big names that will carry a lot of weight. You see them on golf coverage. You see them on golf channel. You see them on ESPN and when they're talking about betting and, and they aren't able to establish any sort of, of credibility there. And the other difference, there are a lot of people that are extremely credible, but they don't come off as authentic enough. And that's one of the reasons I sort of am envious of you in many ways is you kind of have always had both of those. And I wanted to ask you a little bit, and I hope you don't mind talking about how with like the launch of Ship It because there were people you had plenty of haters on that. Right. And and they're oh, yeah. always going to be there. And how do you go from, you know, being a part of like a bigger brand and an asset to someone else to all of a sudden converting that and saying, 
I'm going to like have the balls to be an asset for myself. Right. And I know that while there's going to be 50 people that hate on this because they have nothing better to do and they're insecure about themselves, there's going to be 500 people that really value what I say to every 50 negative ones. And I'm going to bring them with me. And I'm instead of doing it for somebody else, I'm going to do it for me. Yeah, I think it really comes down to, like you said, talking about the being genuine, being credible, having a good reputation. Like if, if you have those things that are all sound, first of all, like the hater side of thing, if you want to call them that, I just, I, I try to be friends with everybody. And anybody who does say, you can just kill them with kindness. Like there's nothing they can say to stop me. This path that I'm on, the passion that I have for this, it just leaks out. It's not, you can't make this up. It's what I love doing. And I think there's so much confusion with that. Like people talk about tout sites and starting, like we also have tools projections, the support system of being in a discord around like-minded individuals that have similar goals and mindsets that actually want to get better at DFS. I had a different vision. I was willing to bet on myself instead of taking an offer at a previous workplace because I wanted to do something on my own. That's what you talked about earlier. I'd sent an email back in 2016 to someone in the space about starting a, helping build a website, thinking I was going to do it back then. It's sort of an everything happens for a reason or a uh, you know, like a chain reaction or something, if you, however you want to call it, where if maybe I did it back then, it wouldn't be the same outcome as today. But for me, hopping in and doing it is really comes down to like the the misconception. Like everyone's like, oh, they just do it to make money because they suck at DFS. Now I play more in, I played more last weekend at a no cut stupid event and more this weekend in the, with the two megas and all that stuff in PGA DFS alone than I've ever made off a single month working or owning any site. Obviously just starting this site three months ago, but that's one weekend of DFS play that if I lose it all, it's the same. Like, it's not what you do. It's, it's either your passion or it's not. I, I love helping people. My whole life has been sales and sales management and general management where you, so I'm either train, I'm either selling for myself to make commission, which I love or training people to do that or training managers to train people to do that. Or, you know, training finance managers that when I was an outside salesperson in the auto industry, like I like training, coaching, developing, somebody's got to do it. I truly love it. I like helping others. You have no, like people will have no idea that the haters, that's why I don't care about them, have no idea the amount of DMs. And you can go on Twitter, search at Totag and Tambo with the word thanks and go look how many people that have made huge money and been excited that I helped them change their lives in some cases. That matters more to me. And I don't care. Again, there'll be people that say, ah, that's not true. I say it. I don't care. Like I live a good life. I'm excited. I'm happy. The people around me are happy. I'm helping other people. They know who I am. If there was such a bad thing there, then why would my reputation not be bad? Why would there not be other bad stuff around me? There's just not because that's who I am. So I did the, my own business because already I'm in the business of gambling, betting on myself, made the most sense. I had a good offer with good people, wish them nothing but the best, but I felt like my vision was different. And I'm what I'm trying to do right now with the site with Hoop, myself and the rest of our team at shipitnation.com is just to make it where it's if you actually want to become a better DFS player, then join the site. It's not just if hoop wins or if I win or anything like that, we have tools, we have projections, we have the discord. We just recreated a four hour education course to put our money where our mouth is again. Like don't talk about it, be about it, go out and say, do what you say. And you said it best earlier. That's what you want to be about. That's, that's what you should want to be about. If you do what you say and under promise over deliver and continuously add value and make people's lives better, whether it's 90% of the stuff I do is for free, by the way. So that's where I say, if you can't sign up, don't sign up. You need money for your bills. You need money for your bankroll. You need money for everything else. Stick to that first. What I'm saying is when you want to get more serious about it, this, you can work out at home. You can eat right at home. Yet people still hire personal trainers, get gym memberships, do all that stuff. Why? There's certain accountability to going to that. There's certain extra shortcuts and, and mistakes I've made that you can maybe learn from I really treat it like that. Again, I just don't care what anybody else thinks. I am, I'm me. I'm always going to be that way. And I, and I love it. And I really try and support and help as many people as possible. And there's no, that'll be good karma. It's just, that's the right way to be. I've been raised that way. That's what you do. And if other people don't like it, then just go, go away from them. Don't be around them. Drop them. It's so well said, dude. And, and the, the, when you say like, don't just talk about it, be about it. I can remember when, um, like three or four years ago, I had like a thousand followers. I didn't know you at all, right? I reached out to you in DMs. You responded in like 20 minutes. I talked to you about hosting a, this crazy idea of hosting a golf tournament. You're like, what can I donate? What can I sponsor? I'm going to come down. You were like super awesome to all the people that came there. Um, it must be cool to like, 
I know you've won a lot of money on DFS golf and you're probably the best. Like when I've said this multiple times on the show, so I'm not just saying it because you're here. You can find old clips of it. When people ask me who's like, you're in my top three players that like I, I know and I have a relationship with. Um, what is it like to see though, people that you've sort of put through a four hour training course system and people that have utilized the tools and the process that you're using have success? Like, are you finding more enjoyment when someone who's joined Ship It Nation comes to you and says, look, I just won $2,000 this weekend using your strategies and what I learned from you versus you going out there and winning like 10K? Like, it, it has yeah. to be such a rewarding feeling to see people sort of have that success. Yeah, and the nicest part is usually not even in the same class. Like, if I'm in the mega this weekend, which is $4,444 buy-in, like somebody winning 10K, I'm stoked for them and I'm excited. And we're sweating it in the Discord and we're, to, we're rooting it home. And what do you need? And I'm going in and calculating like what they need to not happen. So like a, a guy had Trevor Cohn chip in for an eagle on him a few weeks ago in the Discord. And it was like, oh shit. Like I was like, dude, that is such a crazy outcome for this to happen. Like for him to chip in for eagle to cost you this. But he still made, like I think he made 10 grand and that was for 50. So it was a huge swing. But the point was, or it was 20 versus 10. It was a big swing either way. But the point being, we were still there having fun with it and rooting in. And I'm out. Like, that's what people, I don't understand why people are like anti, like anti sweating a guy. I'm anti sweating. And that's when like you're leading a tournament, you're, you're sweating against the people behind you catching you. Yeah. That is different to me than when people literally hate on someone or anti sweating. Like, I don't want this guy to win today because that would be bad for this. Like, why? You're not, you have no chance. And this is again, you think Ricky Fowler gives a shit? He got made fun of by all of us. For years, we joke about him giving the high fives after on the green. That's fun content, and we're joking. Ricky lives a good life. He went through some crazy downswings and spirals. But meanwhile, he had a, a what? A new wife, a new child. Like, there's other good stuff in his life people forget. It's not just about the golf. And then when things got right, he gets back and gets rolling. But he gets made fun of for high five. He's out of the tournament. He can't win. What, you want him to stand back and be mad in the corner? Or should he go say he's happy for his buddy? Like, I can't understand that when people are just completely against it. Because to me, it makes no sense. And that's why this, that sometimes I will convert to, uh, you know, compare, I should say, and talk about like DFS professionally. Because I know it's like the small 0.01%ers that can even do it or do it. And that's fine. Not everyone has the time for it. That's what the site's about. And I talk about less is more. Not everyone has time to watch 10 shows a week and get it all. That's why I do the tidbits. On Twitter, I try and literally package it up of the stuff I find the most interesting or the best stuff that I can find and put it out there for people, which is also free, to just get more information from. And in turn, you do grow your audience and people find out about you. But it's also like at the same time, I'm, I'm passing along information that other people have said, I'm winning with that. I, people have said all the time, I can't sign up for your site. I don't have the money, but I love your tidbits. That's what it's all about. I, like if you can't sign up for a site, it's fine, man. Like everything's going to be all right. There's enough people that can and want to and will. And I want to help those people when they do. But if you can't, I'm still doing tons. I do like anything that I get asked to come on. I'm very appreciative of it. I always want to support where I can. And I love chopping it up with you. Like I said, so this is a no brainer, but all those Mayo shows that I do, they're all free shows that you get to catch. Kenny and I do the golf degenerate show every Monday. It's free yep. football season with Mayo free. The other stuff he's got me on free. Like I, I'm doing as much as I can to help others. And I don't need you to sign up for the site. If you want to, that's where you can see if you, I always say, if you like the free stuff, you'll probably love the paid stuff. I pour my heart and soul into it to make sure. And the poop, the rest of my team, everybody that's there, we've kept it small and, and niche team because we want to be able to have the best in every area and have stuff covered for people so that they can actually feel like, okay, I want to play some MMA DFS this weekend. It's not just Tambo saying he's going to do MMA now because he plays it too. It's two guys that play it, Title and Marley, that are very good at it, that are great not only talking about it like we do with golf, but applying it to, to the DFS side of things, the game theory, how to build tournament lineups, things like that. So that's what we're trying to build. I just want to make sure people know that like, that's kind of the key is like if somebody's there, I don't understand why people root against them. That, that to me is, again, just people you drop from your life because they're just not, yeah. they're not worth it. Like it's just not worth it. I agree with you there. I don't get it either. I, I'm curious your thoughts on like, like a time constraints on judging success. Like what's a good time frame? Because like, I think about, I think that's one of the things that I struggle with. And I think a lot of people struggle with is they, they, they maybe we don't expect to happen instantaneously, but maybe we expect it to happen faster than it does. And I try to think back to 
uh, all of the examples, like you brought up how it took seven years to launch a site. We see what happened with Ricky with the long layover. We see what happened with Lucas Glover. Like the guy won a major 10 years ago. And I had a friend, a, a super good friend who I won't mention. I don't know if he wants me to mention it, but he called me after he saw that today just on Twitter. And but I talked to him for a half an hour walking around my workplace. And he was like mentioning like this guy won a major basically went away he didn't even get in a major this year and like all of a sudden he's won two in a row and like i think about that a lot in terms of golf betting and to relate it toward the golf D dfs and like i'm sure you get people who maybe join the, the you know join this site or whatever it may be and want it you know it's it's tough for a month and do you judge success based on a year based on a month like how long do you have to let it play out to really feel like you achieve the metrics you were looking for, or maybe you need to do more to do so? Yeah, good question. I think for sure, uh, for me, I can only talk to that, I guess, for me as a, a year. Like I do, I do all my goals yearly. So I set up my goals for the year with both personal, DFS, and now business. And with business before, what I, what I called business was like when I was working at other sites, it would mm -hmm. be usually metrics around like Twitter, things like that, like things that I'm trying to do. Like if I have goals of a certain amount, of tweets to do or like things that I do that I think will help hit my goals that are for the season, I would right. set that up. But I think the thing is what you have to know what your passion is and what your, your true long-term goal looks like. And again, you, you never know the final thing. Like for example, if I win a Millie maker, that would be amazing in yeah. DFS. Cause that's what I play. And that's kind of the ultimate thing if you hit that, but it wouldn't be like, I won a Millie maker and then I've hit my goal and I, and I quit. Right. So that to me is like, again, for, for my own personal stuff, I set my yearly goals um, you know, people are making fun of my guy right now, Justin Thomas, keep it golf related, but he's done this forever. We, we, you've seen tweets about it from the PGA tour and him talking yeah. about it on his own Twitter about setting up goals. And he does them yearly on certain metrics with strokes, gain data and things like that and wins and things. I set all that stuff up myself for DFS. I mark them off every two months or so I'll check in so that I'm not doing it like weekly or anything like that, where I feel like I'm too much on top of it because the swings can happen. You just said it with like the Rickies, the Glovers, the, all these things, you just never know when it's going to come back around, but long-term it's like, obviously I want to see, you don't know what the ceiling is. You just want to keep doing it. I think though, going back to your original point of your stuff and talking to your buddy and things like that, I would just say like, for me, I would look at it. Like I, I say this sometimes, like trust the, everyone says, trust the process. I would say, trust the progress. Right. And I say this to get people that are playing guys and girls playing DFS and, you know, Stewie's in the chat talking about how many you can help. I, I tell them that like, you may not hit, Everyone just wants to hop on. That's why we don't do any weekly plans at the site that we're at because I think like that's craziness, like hopping on because somebody won big and then hoping you get their next big win the next week and then you don't get it and you quit that site and go to another one and just trying to, I know I'm going in circles, but my point being like, I think that's the key. You got to put the time in. That's what it's all about. And then when you do trust those little progress things, like if it's maybe you were on a certain show that you didn't know, like for, I'm just using like any example, like what some of the stuff you said, you get on a show or you get a guest that you didn't think maybe before that you could get, or like those things are like milestones for your ultimate goal. Even if you don't know what the finish line looks like, it's little things like that. So I haven't won a milli before. I My, my biggest score is 150K in a single score, but it's like if you get these other 50Ks and 100Ks and things like, and you're hitting your goals and you're doing well, and last season was my most successful ever, it's like that is progress to whatever the ultimate goal is, is just continuing to be better, and grow and grow in different ways. So I think I judge it yearly on those goals, but I have a longer term in mind. Like you should still have like three and five year goals as well and try and find a plan of what you ultimately want to do in the end. That's what I was telling you kind of pre-show. If you can find something around that, you may not have it pinpointed exactly, but at least you have a better idea of where you're trying to get to. So you can recognize that progress along the way. Dude. Awesome stuff, man. Like, honestly, inspirational stuff. I, if you had any questions about considering joining a site that could help you along with DFS, if you want to learn from literally one of the best players that I know, and obviously a completely genuine person that is an open book to sharing information that is helpful to you in life, you should really consider Ship It Nation. That, that was that was pretty awesome, dude. I want to Thank kind you. of shift gears a little bit. You know, we spent a half an hour talking about it. I appreciate every second of it, but I do want the people who are here for a little bit of golf um, let's talk, let's kind of do it in segments first. I want to do kind of a Ryder cup check-in with you. We'll talk about it really quickly. Yeah. Um, six auto qualifiers. So I think the biggest one for me is I think that there is a chance, um, that Max Homa surpasses Brooks Kepka in terms of the points race. 
Do you envision any scenario where Kepka is then left off the team and not taken as a captain's pick as some sort of statement against we're not going to bring live guys into this if they don't qualify? I, I don't think so. No, I've got him pegged okay. in. So he, he's in on my part. I hear where you're coming from on that, but I, I definitely don't think that is the case. I think, you know, like Morikawa, Spieth, Ricky, yes. like these guys to me, there's just no chance that they're off the team. Brooks is on the team. Like I, Ricky's a no chance off for you. I don't think, I don't think, I think Ricky's on the team. Yes. So I should, okay. so I'm going back and forth on how I'm saying it, but yes, Ricky's on the team. Morikawa is on the team. Uh, Spieth is on the team. Yeah. Regardless what happens with Kepka there. I mean, I, I Kepka's on the team. So I, I Xander guess Xander probably down. needs a captain's pick. I think Xander needs one. Yeah, I, I had it up here earlier when Kenny and I were talking. I don't think there's any question there either. So yeah, I think it comes seven. down to do you believe Fred Couples in saying yeah. that Cam Young is on the team? Because now it kind of feels like it would be hard to go back and say mm -hmm. no, but I, I don't know. You could see it. And then yeah. it's like the JT Finau Glover. I think that's a pick. Burns, too, right? maybe. And Bur yeah, Burns. Uh, and yeah, like Denny and Keegan, like long, long shots. But like, I think it's a pick two out of all those, right? Is what we're down to now? Yeah, well, I think so. If 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 Homa qualifies, which if he has two more good weeks, I think he's going to pass Kepka. So the next five spots, I agree with you. It's Morikawa, it's Kepka, it's Spieth, it's Xander. Morikawa. And I think, yeah, so you're right. It's two spots. It's two spots. I have Cameron Young on the team. I kind of assume that he's going to get that spot. And I think Ricky's going to get a spot. So yeah. therefore, it's it's pretty much out. So that'd be JT, Burns, Keegan, and Glover out on my team currently. Okay. Did you have Finau in then? No, I have Finau out. Okay. So I've got it down to, so Scotty, Wyndham, Cantlay, Harmon, Kepka, Homa, Xander, Spieth, Young, Morikawa, and then mm -hmm. Ricky. So I guess then it's the final spot, right? Is Glover. I gave it to Cam Young. I, I've, you got, I've got Young in. So my final spot is either Glover, JT, Finau, or I guess Sam Burns. But I think Burns takes a hike. I, I don't think he gets on the team, unfortunately, unless he does something crazy. Bryson, I don't think, gets on the team. That's yeah. over. Like, that That ship sailed. So <laughs> what, out of these three, who would you take? Glover? JT or Finau? Jet, I'd take Justin Thomas, even though he's playing the worst. Um, I think he's like, I just, I think he can muster it for three days, man. And I like him in the sort of, you, you only have one day of singles. I think that he's gutty enough to do it. I trust his experience. And it reminds me to like, he reminds me of the great, like, like a Poulter, like a great European player, like a Sergio, where no matter the form, you kind of want that guy on the team because yeah. you know how you know the intensity that they can bring to this event that is required for a Ryder Cup. And it's not only about intensity, it's about how intensity affects your play. Sometimes intensity and adrenaline can affect players in a very negative fashion. You know what I mean? It, it can build pressure. They're, they don't react well to it. Players like Poulter, players like Sergio, um, these great, like Tiger, obviously, but Justin Thomas is one of those players where I think you ramp up the intensity, you ramp up the camaraderie, you ramp up the adrenaline that's flowing through your body on the first tee and getting people fired up in a different type of golf event. I think you just want him on the team. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the popular opinion, though. So I said this last You're week, right. and, I, and I doubled down on it again tonight, and I will here, too. But I think that's the thing. Like, people are like, oh, Glover, two wins. You just have to take him. He's hot. I, again, Finau probably played himself off of it. Now, I actually like Finau. We're going to get into this in a second when we get to Olympia Fields here. But I'm just saying, I, again, he has a chance to bump them both if he does something special down the stretch to make a name for himself. He like to put him back on the team. He's got some camaraderie of his own back then. It's not the JT stuff, but also his argument or even Zach Johnson's argument and looking at picking him would be like, you know, I have to tell JT, no, like, here's what happened. And there's already that conversation around Glover, of course. But the main thing I would say is if Zach Johnson, you can't tell me and this, I don't, people would say what they want. I don't care. Boys club. It is. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me Zach Johnson isn't calling tiger on this season when it's the hardest type picks to make <laughs> of all time. I think that I can remember like it feels yeah, insane with the picks they have to make right now, him, especially, to then call Tiger and get his opinion and Tiger not to say the facts and do a good job selling it. That like you said, JT is pesky. He has a good Ryder cup record. He's also Tiger Woods's boy. I get it, but I'm talking about 15 wins, multiple majors now. And then you go and look at it. The guy's 
numbers say 63rd and 54th or whatever, sure, and didn't make the playoffs. He almost did. He gutted it till the last chip. He gutted it. And then on top of that, it's like he had blow-up holes. He had a nine on a hole here, a couple eights over there. Those don't kill you in the Ryder Cup format. So I right. just – I still think it's him, man. I, I just do, and I could be wrong, and I've been wrong plenty of times, and I'll be wrong again. But I'm saying I, I think that – I don't think they take Glover. I, I mean, unless Glover does something special this weekend. Next, like if Glover goes all the way in the Tour Championship and does something special, that forces a hand. We talked about this as well pre-show about some stuff where sometimes people just force hands and it just has to be that way even if they don't believe in it what's that it's like a saying like you know cast a shadow big enough that nobody can ignore you or something like it's it's one of those things where if glover continues to do it but i also think it's pretty easy right now even off the two wins for and if other guys do stuff for zach johnson to say unfortunately lucas like man you did your thing it was just a little bit too little too late versus other things that happened and how this person closed and what their whole season looked like and where our team was at, this is the case. And people can be mad at it and there'll be people that don't like it and Glover won't like it if that ends up happening. But it's just sometimes the way things work, man. And, and that's something I can definitely see happening this year. I agree with you. I, I'm with you there. Um, let's talk about the golf course this week. So we're back at Olympia Fields. We are... We haven't seen this course since 2020 when it hosted the BMW. Um, it's also hosted two U.S. Open and two PGA Championships in the past. It is a, when set up properly, a major championship-worthy golf course setup. Uh, a little over 7,300 yards, par 70. Um, I tweeted out earlier today in 2020, which in a year which it ranked the fourth toughest course on tour. Um, the opening two holes, like the opening hole played like almost 0.4 strokes under par, even though it's like a 640 yard par five. Like it is a long opening hole. I don't, that's a weird conundrum usually when your easiest hole is your first hole and it is a long par five, but that's the situation. The next 16 holes are, were an absolute slug, slug fest. Um, super thick Kentucky bluegrass rough. The, the firmness of the greens that year, I remember being absolutely incredible. You had to literally run shots up to greens in many circumstances like you would typically see at an open championship or a scottish open um you were hitting 15 yards short of the flag on your approach shots even coming out of the fairway john roms comments uh that in that year and just said like it's it's really really demanding even if you're in the fairway you need to hit really really good shots for me i lean more on you know, it's it's kind of taking the easy road here, but more on approach and ball striking this week and the ability to sort of control ball flight and spin, I think is going to have probably the biggest thing that I'm leaning on in terms of importance from a stats point. What are did I miss anything there on the course that you have to add or stats wise that you think is super important? Well, no, just uh, one note I thought of, though, because I was talking about this earlier with, with my guy Kenny over there at the Fantasy Golf Degenerates. And yeah, that year he reminded me because I was like, this is interesting. Like you go, look, everybody went like I think Rom did what Patrick Cantlay almost did this past week. And if he had a one, it would have been the first time all season that a golfer improved their score daily and won mm. a tournament. And you go back and look at this tournament in 2020, and Rom did that. Neiman at the time, Kokrak, Casey, a few other guys that week. But it was because, if you remember, you nailed it. The, the greens were insanely fast, too, yeah. too soon, too quick. And so they watered the greens like crazy. And that's why, like, Rom went from a 75 on day one to, like, I think it was a 66 or a – 64 or something on the last day to go on and win this thing only five guys under par even with all that happening but i don't know what they'll do this time i think maybe a few more guys go under par for sure maybe a, a little bit lower score we'll say and, and all that you could see happen but i think you got that part the rest right and then the other thing jaw is just going to ask you is that like the narrative around these bombers like it's got to be like the, the leaderboards and you know anybody in the past at other events that were held here things like that people will say it's all bombers and then there's a couple like Brendan Todd's, Brian Harmon's, sure. Jim Furyk back in the day, but can you really classify that now? What, what was you? I know you talked about ball strikers and approach, but are you you know leaning off that as well as far as the bombers go and just completely against it, or do you still try and mix in the the all around spot here because that seems to me like the best way to go about it. Yeah, I, I do have some distance in the uh, stat model that I built. I think that it's it's obviously always an advantage if you're yeah. obviously able to keep it on the planet. One of the things about the fairways here is they're not super narrow, but they are angled strangely. And even when you hit them, a lot of the times from the angle that you're coming in to play the shot shape, that angle of the actual like the the um, 
undulation of the fairway itself is going to enhance that ball that you can hit in the middle of the fairway and it just jumps it into the rough. Yeah. Um, so I think in that situation, like I've seen some people making uh, a comparisons to Oak Hill. I've seen some stuff to wing foot as well, where people are looking at those type of golf courses where obviously distance played an extreme advantage at those two spots. I don't have it quite as heavy there, but I do lean, you know, it, I do lean on that a little bit this week. I do have it factored into a degree. Yeah. And I like just again, standard, like last week I did, it was, you know, works pretty well at these tougher courses like this, where just hone in on T to green in general and just find yeah. the all around. And, and I get off, I get to the bogey avoidance. Like again, you just can't make yeah. bogeys at these courses. And again, it's okay. Like we make fun of these guys, sometimes the Hideki's and the Corey Connors and guys like that, that we'll make fun of, but oftentimes they're missing putts for birdie that you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, that sucks. They missed a birdie, but we don't have like, Par is a great score here, especially after those first two holes, as you showed today on Twitter, where it's like, yeah. then it's really take all the pars you can get and you're happy. So I think that's going to be a factor. But for me, uh, you know, with you pretty much on the stats, I, I really like looking at from the all around game rather than just saying bombers only. The one thing I say caveat to that is, look, it's tough courses. The top guys in the world, like you said, they can bomb it anyway. So what ends up happening is you end up seeing guys that can all hit it 310 plus on Sunday and people mm -hmm. go, oh, bombers. See, I told you. But it's like. So They're also the best iron players like anyway. Yeah. Like it's like, so it's really not necessarily what got them there. It's just sort of one of those things, but I do think yep. placement being able to find your way around it. The short game comes in here as a big factor as well. And then just in general, like you said, the, the ability to avoid bogeys, I think is a huge one. All right. I'm going to pull up the board here. Let's bet. Okay, one second as I pull up the board. Oh, where is it at here? Here we go. BMW Championship. Um, top of the board, no real surprise. It's going to be Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy, both checking in at plus 750. John Rahm off of a disappointing week where I actually bet him last week and had pretty high hopes uh, is 10 to 1 once again this week. Patrick Cantlay, after missing out on the playoffs, is down to 10 to 1 this week. Hovland 16, Xander at 18. Those are all the players with the best numbers available under 20 to 1 this week. Um, do you like any favorites, Tambo? Because I'm actually considering for the first time this entire year, I'm like, do I want to just make a Scotty Scheffler card? Oh, interesting. I, I don't, I would never hate on that. Obviously, you talk about just T to green in general, one of the best, the best by a, actually by a wide margin, but then it comes down to the putter. But who knows? He's going to show up one of these events. I didn't actually look. How did he finish with the putter last week? Do you remember? I, I could. It was bad. He lost three strokes putting last week, which was one of um. There was it was basically one really horrid yeah. round. Though. Round three is what it was. So on the week, he still lost almost a stroke overall, but still, yeah. So I guess what I was gonna say is you know not interesting because it's Scotty Scheffler. You can't really get mad at it. But the guy I really like at the top, and I know people bet Rory, and I I'm with you. I was thinking right out of the gate, Scotty, but I kind of like Rom. Of all those yeah. guys, I really do like John Rom. I, I know that. He won here last time, so it's easy to say, and it's, things are a little bit different now in 2023 than 2020, but a lot more has happened, I mean, in the meantime. But I just like all the other thoughts around it, and we just talked about around the green game and avoiding bogeys and being able to putt on these greens and things like that. I really think that's the key. John Rahm over four days is so key to me, and I really just do think that Rahm is the guy up top for me. That If I was betting here, and I didn't because I bet other guys down the board further, but uh, he, he's the guy I like up here, but I can't fault you. For Scotty and in what I, like I said, really want to focus on T to green in general. T to green fest is perfect for Scotty. I know. And like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm right. It was either Rom or Scotty for me. I haven't taken anyone yet. Full disclosure. I'll have the betting card out obviously on Wednesday. But when I started to look at like just the way that I generate a stat model this week, and I did a lot of filtering with difficult scoring conditions and narrow fairways and some par 70 stuff. Um, and I, I, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 categories that I inputted into my stat model this week. Scotty Scheffler was first in six of those categories. He was second in three of them. The only one that he wasn't first or second in, in the entire field was driving distance and he's fourth. Um, so he's just absolutely dominating from a statistical standpoint, from everything that I looked at, um, especially like when I did, a lot of the around the green stuff. I looked at like long rough around the green. How good are you at getting up and down? He's second. And that was where I kind of got thrown off a little bit with John Rahm as he's had some struggles around the green lately. I didn't think the iron play was super crisp last week. He barely gained, uh, I think, a stroke on approach. 
which if you're not going to gain a stroke on approach, he needs to really have that honed in. And he was like 41st in, in around the green. So you made a good point about that being important here because the greens and regulation ratings are obviously down and the rough is four inch thick Kentucky bluegrass. It's super thick and the yeah. greens are difficult to chip on. Um, you're going, if you miss greens, you're going to make bogeys. And I think that that is where Scotty has really excelled at not only that around the green game and avoiding bogey, which he's also number one in, but he's also number one in greens and regulation gains. So those two kind of go hand in hand to a degree, but he's playing so well. It's just finally, I feel like a consideration for me when you narrow down the field. And I just think it's a great course fit for him. Yeah. And I, one thing I would say too, is I guess that's also why people are either, I know some are going Scotty, but other, it feels like a lot more, at least for me, perusing Twitter and just going around it where people are on Rory yeah. and they're just taking it because it feels like there's less, if you want to call it like a, you know, less bumps on them or something where they're saying like, okay, Scotty, but the putter and hasn't done it lately, hasn't got the wins that you would expect. And then people with Rom are making that case. And there's things that you could say about him. Rory just feels great. And then coming off another strong week last week where he actually ended up only losing by a stroke. Mind you, didn't feel like that down the stretch. He was, yeah. you know, it wasn't like he was super yeah, in the mix. Right. He actually was. It just, one of those things, but it does feel like, uh, you know, for, for me, Rom would be the guy if going here, but that's why I don't think a lot of people are. And if they are, they're just going with Rory. Yeah. A couple of guys in this next range that are interesting. Um, Fleetwood at 22 to one, he's been playing so good, but it, are you going to bet him to win at 22 to one? I think a lot of people are in, inclined to Morikawa at 25. He hasn't won in a long time either. Uh, Max Homa has been through struggles through the middle of sort of of the summer and now got it going back in the right direction at 25. Spieth at 30. Tyrrell Hatton at 30. Um, Hideki at 35. Glover is up there at 35. Cameron Young at 40. Um, you mentioned that you kind of like some of these guys in that next range. Who are you honing in on? Yeah, I didn't bet this one either, but I, I, I have room for him. So I may do this. And it is uh, gut feel. I've had a couple good gut feels in my time. And here's the thing. Everyone bet him last week. I don't think many are betting him this week because they don't like the number. These numbers all seemingly suck. Like you see guys at 20 and 18 yeah, and 22. You're like, that sucks. I just had him at 33. And the guy for me is Tommy Fleetwood. To me, this is the perfect setup. He's been playing so good. We already know this. 22 is a, is a terrible number. You don't want to bet it. You're like, oh, that's just that number sucks. It doesn't get me excited. So you don't hit it. But to me, wouldn't it be perfect for Tommy Fleetwood to get his first PGA Tour win and then everybody put the asterisks on it and say, well, it's a 50-man event. Like, you know, it's not really. But even though it's 50 of the best in the game at one of the toughest courses they'll see, that he goes out and do, does it, that is a huge win in a playoff time that matters like the best possible time to get the job done. But then people aren't going to be on it that bet it last week because they don't want to take it at a, at a worse number. And really, he's just been playing some incredible golf. Colin makes sense. Yes. Uh, Hatton. Makes a lot of sense. I did bet Hideki at 30. Some people got 33 or 35. But the thing, like I said, like, again, going back, you know, Fleetwood, someone is Scott, you know, uh, my, my boy Stewie's in there said, sell me. He, you talked about Scheffler. I got the similar model up on my screen. Guess who number two is after Scheffler? It's Fleetwood. Yep. yep. Peter he's Green, number... he's top 10. He's top 15 in approach off the tee. Third top in 20, mine. Yep. Yeah, in everything. And then you go around the green. He's fifth. Bogey avoidance, third. And then even with the putter. He's 13th. Like the guy's game is set up. He's been playing incredible golf. I just think it's the fact that we've seen this too many times. We're experienced in doing this where people bet it one week. They don't get the desired result. Even though he crushed, they'll be like, ah, oh, I can't do it the next week because the number's worse. And then it just makes perfect sense. Like I said, for him to get that caveat where people are like, albeit it was a 50 man event in the playoffs and not a full field PGA tour event, but he did get the win. And you can just hear people saying that sometimes you just yeah. get the feeling He's the guy for me in this range. I know most are on Morikawa and I'm on Decky. I bet him, but I'm going to probably add Fleetwood. I just want to see how it shakes out. I just wish I could get a little better number on him. But in the end, if you feel it, you got to go forward with it. So Fleetwood's a guy and I got room for him because my card currently starts at Decky at 30 and it only has two more guys after that so far. So. Uh, yeah, me, my card actually starts at 40. We'll get to my guys in a minute. But you made some great points about Fleetwood. And I'm sitting here listening to you talk about him. And I'm thinking back to like, it'd be kind of poetic with the show that we just did. And like, you mentioned trust the progress, right? Mm -hmm. And like not setting your end, like not being so discouraged on not getting that end goal of a win yet, which he, he hasn't. And it's obviously a letdown. But if you trust the progress, he's top 10 in the FedEx Cup race. He's having his best season ever. He's statistically trending in a better direction than he ever has before. He was in the last major championship sort of final grouping. 
trust the progress. And even though you may not be getting the best number, I do think that um, it may be a situation where I have, I don't think I've seen him on anybody's card. And I've seen a lot of Colin Morikawa. I've seen some Homa. I've seen some Hideki. Um, I do think you may be able to get a 25 potentially by the end of the week, but it would make a ton of sense. The two guys for me, though, um, are both in the next range. It's, it's Ricky at 40. And then I took Wyndham Clark at 45. Um, both guys that ranked very highly in my model. I, I'm willing to kind of overlook bad performances by by sort of both of them last week. Um, as they both have sort of just had really, really great seasons. Ricky, I, I actually do prefer him on harder golf courses versus easy. I know that he won the Rocket Mortgage, which kind of defeats that. But I think throughout his career, he's played a little better with the scoring conditions are difficult. And Wyndham Clark's just been fantastic. He hits a ton of greens. He's obviously checks the distance box. He doesn't make a lot of bogeys. Guys who compete well in a U.S. Open setup, typically compete well at like this type of golf course. If we're talking about difficult, firm conditions, these are two guys that were like in the final group of the U S open. So they both played really well there. They both capping off great seasons. Ricky has a lot of motivation, I think to sort of secure that spot that we both think he's going to get on the Ryder cup team, uh, two guys with a lot to play for. And I think generous numbers at 40 and 45 in a limited man field, which allows me some flexibility to go up top and potentially grab Fleetwood if I want it, or even make a move on Romer Scheffler. And, and some of the other books, I'll note too on Ricky, some of the other books have him as low as 33. I know you got all the odds there and they'll show 35s, but the, there is the 33s there you see. And that's like, again, just one thing I'll look mm -hmm. at. So if you got that 40, definitely don't hate that. And also the Ricky thing is another trust the progress thing. You talk about like mm -hmm. people say, oh, but he only won the three I'm open. He contended in a bunch of strong field events. And it's like, you can't help it. Like I com compare back to the DFS thing. I said, I don't care if I win the Millie Maker at, the BMW championship or at the U S open. If I win the Millie maker, I'll take it wherever it happens. He'll take his win when it comes. It's that's golf. You play to win. It's that's the point. He can't control necessarily. He, he's got control over his game and does something. Things happen. Mistakes are made. You're not in it is what it is. But down the stretch, you still got to battle through and get the win regardless of the tournament. So I like the Ricky call Wyndham uh, burned a lot of people last week too, at least in DFS. So I know we're talking betting, but I think that's where people will just, again, it's just a negative Thing around him that all oh, he didn't show up last week but then i like your u.s open comparison because you can flip-flop that rom won here last time and went on to win he's always played good in u.s opens but then goes on to be a u.s open champion so i mean obviously a setup like this i don't care if it gets a little bit easier this year or not it's still going to be a tough course and going to play you know in that kind of light of how tough a u.s open is so yeah. i do like that call quite a bit on wyndham clark and i wonder how many people are betting him or, or how many people are wanting to back him this week period Yes, the best number I've seen in a while, and, and Ray here, Ray, thanks for sending this in, is, is in Chicago, and it rained most of the day. The other interesting thing is, the course, I guess there is an avenue where it plays a little easier than we expect, because that thing was baked out in 2020, big time. And like if it's playing softer and wetter, you mentioned that Rom sort of increased his scoring as the weekend went on, and the scoring conditions got easier. The other thing is there's a new superintendent this year. I don't know if you saw this on the, the GSAA or whatever the Twitter account is that releases yeah. it. Um, the superintendent at Olympia Fields is 27 years old. He was just put into this position like a year ago. He was at their south course before that. He was basically an intern at the course the last time this thing was held at 2020. I'm sure he's a super smart kid, but like that's a lot of pressure as a 27-year-old to be hosting a, the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, yeah, I just wonder that maybe we're all using this same mindset of it's going to be super, super hard. And maybe it, it sort of relinquishes some of its grip on that a little bit if the course conditions are softer and maybe isn't set up with the same type of firmness and boldness that this place was set up from, you know, three years ago. Yeah, I can get behind that for sure for, uh, for all the reasons you said just in general, too. It also can flip how we just talked about where it was baked out guys had hard, like 75 for ROM and the shooting sixties over the weekend when they watered the greens and all that, this, if it's already got water coming in, it would be likely they score more, but then the wind can offset. And then obviously if it gets like a little bit hotter and windier over the weekend, then things bake out even more, it gets tough over the weekend. Maybe they don't double down and double dip on what they did last time. So the other thing too, is what this is one of the things that I, I think people don't think about enough is that like you have the best golfers in the world at this course, the top 50 on the season, at least they're all playing the best or were, I know there's some thoughts around the swing season stuff that happens for people to get in, but still I digress. Yeah. My point would be 
if it becomes like more bird, if more birdies are out there to be had, I don't think that I'm changing my entire strategy as much. Cause I like who like call more can make birdies. Call, Corey Connors can make birdies. Wyndham Clark mm-hmm. can make birdies. They're not just this hardcore specialist. Go Ricky. Yeah. We just talked about Ricky can do well on those conditions. He can win the three I'm open. Like I just don't see it changing enough of what I'm doing. And I like what you're doing. It's sort of value hunting. One guy you didn't talk about there. I know we got to move on, but just quick. I wanted to ask what I mentioned a pre-show, I think, but Finau. Yeah. Tell me about Finau. For him too. For, 45 like that. Yeah, it is. And I had it up here. Sorry, but go back to Finau for a second. So you just pull up Finau and look um, top 10 in T to green and approach top 20 off the T in distance. 14th in around the green and bogey avoidance doesn't show good on the models right now, but typically in the past, like what you see with Finau is tougher tracks like this and setups like this, where he can definitely find his way around it. And it's like, he's missing a putt for birdie, but he's tapping in the par or, or, you know, that six footer, that slider that you're just like, ah, he needs to make that. But again, it's for birdie. He's going to be okay. He just needs to make the par and move on. And he also is in that really, like that finite, that little spot we just talked about of those final three, four guys, however you want to label it. Absolutely. He has a chance to do it, man. He has to know that, that if he just bumps these guys, no matter what, if Glover does bad this week and next and Finau does well and Young does bad, like there's still a chance he gets in and he has the hit. He was just on with the team last time out. Like there's definitely a chance he can still get in. I don't hate it for the number and we know he can win. Like that's a guy that can win a tournament. Just whether he wins this one. Yep. I don't know, but I like him in like a 50 man field beat 49 guys. I'm okay. Yeah, with that. absolutely. You're right. I mean, he's got three wins in the last 13 months. Um, you mentioned value hunting. I think that he caught my eye there. I guess I had sort of overlooked some of the um, statistical gains that he has been making recently that you just brought up. Is there anyone like, are you into a long shot in this range? I have one guy that I, that I bet. Is there anyone for you like above 50 to one that is probably your, your favorite play to potentially make a move? L- lastly on Fino. And I'll tell you that one. Fino also came fifth year in 2020. And even though there are different courses, the BMW championship is set up on some tougher tracks in the past as well. And he's done pretty good in general, but even if you want to say, okay, the time he really played here fifth. So uh, I'm okay. When he with won that. Liberty. Was that the BMW? I can't. I, I think it was actually. Yeah, I, can't I think remember, it was too. Yeah, at Liberty or, National. Actually, I don't know if it was. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that one. We'd have to look it up. But um, yeah, the one guy, my favorite bet, and you didn't talk about him, but it's probably because the number dropped. But your guest last week, our friend Mr. Ryan Baroff, always hits me up on the Monday mornings. And yeah, uh, yeah, Cam Young was at 50 this yeah. morning. He dropped to 40 cents, and I think even less now. But man, that was one that could just could not be passed up. I know some got Cam Davis as their long shot down there. That's but who I, I got. Is that who you got? Yeah, talk, talk to me about that one because I didn't end up following through on that one. I just, winning this tournament, no. Playing him in DFS or something or whatever, or taking him with a big each way, I get it. But I, I just wasn't as excited as others about it, I guess. Yeah, you're probably on the correct side of that. I mean, he's I got him at 75 to one. He's up there at that big number for, for obviously a reason. But I'm just looking at the, um, I just, I was really high on him coming into the year. So it's more of a play where I've just seen potential in this guy and I've seen him perform big in circumstances, um, at major championships. I've seen him do it at the president's cup, step up big for his, for, you know, obviously for the international team fourth at the PGA, I thought was a great sort of just a jolt to sort of his summer. Then he fell off, missed a couple of cuts, but recently, obviously back to back to back top tens. He's really been savvy around the green, and I really think that is probably one of the underrated strengths of a player that I think that he has. Um, It's not huge golf course from a yardage standpoint, so I think that his strengths are also obviously the driver recently. From tee to green, he's been phenomenal. Off the tee, he's been gaining then in five consecutive starts. Um, just trends, a lot of things going in the right direction for me. So I, I ended up sort of on that at 75 to one. And he's probably the one guy like there was a point last week where I was actually texting bear off because we both had we both had Tommy and it was like Tommy and Cam Davis were tied like on Saturday afternoon or something like that. And I'm like, it, I shouldn't feel like I'd, I'd rather have Cam Davis in this situation, like both of them two back when one guy was like 20 to one and the other was like 70. It's just, I, I, for some reason I have some confidence in him, like being aggressive enough to, to close a tournament and, and we'll sort of see, but just a big number, small field. That's kind of where it was. He's done by the way. Uh, well, the chat, 
fixed it up. It was Liberty National was the Northern Trust for Tony okay. P now. So yep. um, shout out to Alex there. But I, I would say, what did Cam Young win? I mean, sorry, what did Cam Davis win? The 3M? Cam Davis won the, it was either, no, it was Rocket Mortgage. It was Rocket Mortgage. That's right. Yeah, I, I was going to almost yeah. say that'd be funny because we just made all this case for Ricky earlier on a 3M win, but it was Rocket Mortgage. You nailed it. It was, it was RMC. So um, yeah. the, the other thing was the, the last couple guys there, like Benny Ann, he was similar yeah. number. What's what's he at right now versus Cam Davis? Because he's another uh, okay. guy. That so Ben on is 55 to one best available on these books, at least. Yeah, I don't like that. I'd rather the 70 on Davis at that point, because to me, they're similar. I don't think they're going to close, but that you're taking a shot. And then the other guys that showed up for me a little bit in some of the stats you were looking at, but again, probably better DFS plays, but like Brendan Todd, Eric Cole and Chris Kirk. Jank. Okay, Kirk. Shank is on there. He'll be popular in DFS, but for guys that popped in the similar stats to Cam Davis, that yeah. looked like Cam Davis light, and that like Benny Ann came 12th here back in 2020. He was up there. Todd was obviously even better than that, and they still have these stats that are coming in playing decent golf, but like Todd is 125, Eric Cole 125, and Kirk's 150. Again, I just I don't think they're going to win, man, so it's like really hard to do it, but you know, that that's the guys. I think just again better DFS plays than they are bets. Eric Cole, what a stud of a it's year nuts. for him! Like he yeah. just makes so many. Like I'll turn, I'll flip on the app and he'll be like three under through three. I feel like all the time. Yeah, F funny story. When I was just in Minnesota at the three M Open, actually uh, met Eric Cole's caddy because oh, one yeah. of the guys that was there for the Fantasy Golf World Championship, his wife is good friends from high school with Eric Cole's caddy. And like, man, Cole was in this thing. He was T9 going into Sunday. We're out at the pub and dude is there again, the caddy. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? He's got huge, two stout beers, big dogs. And I'm like, man, and he just, I think he drank four of them. And they went out and shot like a one under the next day. And I was like, I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know if people care or the rules or if Eric would know or care. But I just thought it was funny that he's out there taking down some big dog beers and getting the job done. It was at least four or five of them over the course of us being at this pub. And man, I was like, this guy is pretty aggressive considering he's got to go with the top. He's in the top 10 finish chance at it tomorrow. And they still had a decent result, but I guess he was looping on the corn Ferry tour. Didn't have a bag. Eric Cole needed one. It just worked out, but he didn't expect Eric Cole to have that season. And Nobody he was there did. for the Honda. So he made some good cash off that, but he actually missed the Mexico open. So he was like, that kind of sucked, but nothing you can do. Like, again, you just don't get your, your cut for that, but he was telling us some cool stuff and some good stories. So yeah, Eric Cole, man, just one hell of a season in general. Just a crazy, crazy se setup. And I think he's my the buddy only Dave, rookie. Like, uh, my buddy Dave, like, played in a lot of minor league events with Eric Cole and, like, knows him pretty well. And he's like, it's just crazy that, like, he's he, he, was, he was good. But they're all good. And, like, yeah. to see someone, like, finally, like, get a shot like that and take advantage of it, the Honda, but then, like, hold on. Like, no, this dude is just going every week, like performing at the FedEx Cup Crazy playoffs. Man. He was like leading Oak Hill through like Friday. Remember that before the weather yeah. delay? He was like leading the yeah. PGA Championship. Like he's having just an awesome like year and like making the absolute most of the opportunity that he was giving. It's really sure. cool to see. That's the progress, baby. That's the thing. He was always having good progress. You just never know when the breakthrough is going to happen. This is one heck of a breakthrough for a guy like him. I think they said he's the only rookie to get through to the top 50, maybe I, I could be wrong. Wow. I thought I saw that stat today. There's a lot of longtime players there. So I think, I think it right. makes sense. I think he is the only rookie and funny enough, most rookies, you don't think of that age, but you know, for him, it's just, it's not old. It's just for, it feels old for a PGA tour rookie these days. But again, you just never know when it's going to happen. So sticking with it has paid off in a big way. So kind of good way to probably wrap things up, but definitely good to see for Eric Cole. Very cool, man. What else do you got content-wise this week? Tell everyone where they can find that stuff. Yeah, Fantasy Golf Degenerates just recorded with Kenny Kim. It's out there. It's our second last because obviously next week's the Tour Championship. Uh, myself and Hoop will be on the Ship It Nation YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash at Ship It Nation. Be on with Mayo. We're doing, I think this is our last week. We're going to do the in-studio show. So um, we're not doing the Tour Championship based, just based on, again, the smaller field and starting to get into NFL gear. And then, of course, everything over at ShipItNation.com. I appreciate you let me talk about it some, Joe, and just love being on here with you. But a lot going on over there. It's not just PGA. We do have NFL coming up, NBA, NHL, and then currently we've got MLB and, and uh, MMA with PGA. So six major sports, best ball, a great community in the Discord. Very cheap to get in. There's a new bundle price up right now that ends when football starts. But either way, 
Great time to get in and join the nation. Shipitnation.com. Thank you. At Toe Tag and Tambo. Thank you for coming on the show. It was genuinely just awesome just to talk to you. And I hope that you guys got some enjoyment from it as well. Make sure if you're not following him, make sure to follow him now. Make sure to check out Ship It Nation. Um, I appreciate you making plenty of time for me tonight, over an hour. So um, you're the man. Continue to keep doing your thing. And thank you for those much needed uh, words of inspiration as, as today was a good day to have him. Keep crushing, man. Love what you do. You're going to keep going. It's going to be awesome. Love it. All big things to you, man. Here if you need Thanks, it. man. All right. Take care. Later. All right. Awesome to talk to him. Um, I'm not going to do a huge long final thoughts segment. Sometimes I will get on here and I will try to um, kind of do what 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 Tambo just did for me and try to be a source of, of inspiration to people and try to be uplifting. And today was just a day where um, I kind of needed that. So that was a great opportunity. We've had it booked for a couple of weeks for for him to come on. Thank you guys for jumping in the chat. I'll leave you with this. And it's like something that it just kind of stuck to me all those times. Like he was sort of harping on that. And if you want sort of any idea of what we were talking about, just go check out the beginning of the show. But the, the little sign that he's got in his background there, it just says, nobody cares, work harder. Um, I know it's not all about that, but it's just a reminder to continue to keep your head down, continue to do the right things, continue to get your priorities aligned with what your values are as a person and you will dig yourself out of anything we're all going through something um everyone out there who joined the show is something is happening in your life that is not always the most positive thing and i think that it's important to have perspective in it and to have people that you trust that you can lean on whether they're friends from twitter whether they're family um whether they're your friends that you're going out with on a friday night um enjoy the process take some pride in your progress as he mentioned and i will check you all back here next week for the tour championship uh this was another episode of the preferred lines program please like Please subscribe. Please share with a friend. Please tell them that this might be one of the coolest golf shows that you've ever seen hosted live on YouTube. Um, and I would genuinely appreciate that. I hope that you all have a great week. I hope that you hit a winner this week. Uh, full betting card will be out Wednesday. Have a great week. Enjoy Olympia Fields. Thanks again for letting me uh, bless your screens. Peace.